Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. While football may own the news this time of year, not the only sport going on, so I do want to be fair and spread the wealth, and this is hockey season now in the fall. We've moved towards winter and beyond. This is another episode of Mike Drop Here, brought to you by the Believe Network. I am Mike Osti, as always, and it's been a while since we've done one of these, but I am joined for this show by Jesse Marshall of The Athletic and McKean's Hockey. Jesse obviously covers the Penguins, but also the entire NHL nowadays. Jesse, it's been a while. I think maybe back uh, with my trip days since we did one of these. But thanks for joining me. I know you have a lot going on. We both are relatively new fathers. So how's the family? Happy to have you on, man. Everything's good, man. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being patient with me as we navigated oh, some, no problem. Yeah. Uh, child, child germs to get to this point. But I'm happy to be back talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know all about that. I, <laughs> I I know all about the patients. It's definitely been tested. I don't have enough of it in my life in general, but need to definitely have it for my daughter. Yeah. But maybe, and that's a nice segue. Maybe Penguin fans need to have some patience right now. We'll we'll see. We'll have that conversation. The Penguins right now are leaving some fans' patience to be desired as they're in the midst of a losing streak as we're talking. And that is where we will start. So the Penguins opened up the season playing really well, playing some quality opponents, getting some wins, clipping off some early season wins, and actually kind of creating a conversation that calmed down the offseason talk of what's this team going to be? Should they have broken this up? Do they really have a window? How good are they going to be? Even if they get in the playoffs, can they really make a run? That conversation kind of died out earlier in the season. Penguins were playing well, maybe better than some would have thought. Now they're kind of back to the mean, and certainly defensively, they're allowing a lot of goals here, even if they are scoring, and the Penguins are in the midst of a losing streak. So I guess I'll ask you this. Which one of these Penguin incarnations that we've seen early in the season are more realistic to what fans can expect the rest of the season? Can they realistically make a run? Or is this now a Penguins team that kind of got back to the mean that maybe fans should get more used to? This is an older team. There are young pieces there, but eventually all runs do eventually die out. So which Penguin team that we've seen through only a few weeks so far do you think is more the actual Penguins this season? I think, Mike, it's like a dumb, a slightly dumbed-down version of the one that we saw win those games at the beginning of the year. Okay. Um, and, and here's the thing. like Expecting them to score six goals a game continuously right. is out, outrageous right like I, I don't think that's going to happen it's like a 1989 throwback to the penguins <laughs> of old or just fire wagon hockey yeah. i think what happened was they won some games they had some success offensively uh they went on that that western canada swing and just developed a ton of really awful habits uh and i don't right. think and that's they, a hard swing that can happen to a lot is. of people yep. when you go on that swing that's a rough swing regardless of how good or bad those teams are I think that early taste of success uh, allowed them to get away with some things that they probably yeah. wouldn't have gotten away with normally. Uh, it, it bred some unhealthy habits. It, it really 
really crushed them. Uh, you kind of got the sense they cured it against Boston when they got back home. Uh, and then in the second half of that game, they, they kind of just, they have no, they had no clothes whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of just reverted back to where they were in Western Canada. So I think the struggle for the coaching staff right now uh, is to try to get rid of those early season habits to get this team to recognize that it needs to be aggressive uh, in a controlled way. Um, they're alternating right now, Mike, between not for checking at all and letting the other team just have this blank check to do whatever they want uh, in, in the neutral and defensive zones. Yeah. And then overzealously forechecking way too much, um, you know, get, getting into uh, what I call feeding uh, where you're up by so far, you're, you're, you've left a gap between yourself and everybody else. And that could be exploited too. So there's gotta be a balance, right? And I think Mike Sullivan's struggling now to like get that dialed in the right way. Uh, but I do think it's, it's, you know, they're, they're at their best when they're on their front for it. We saw them play that way early on in the season. Um, so that's why I say it's, it's a toned down version of that. Cause it's okay. not, not going to score six goals over and over again. Uh, they're they're going to take a ton of chances, sometimes ones that are ill-timed, uh, but, but the pressure that they bring, you know, we saw them just take Tampa through the ringer. Um, you know, that Tampa Bay team was seeing ghosts uh, from that Penguins forecheck. And you know, that, that element just haven't been able to get back to that consistently for a 60 minute effort. Yeah, and I think that might have been the moment that was most eye-popping that kind of calmed down the critics and maybe had some believe, wow, maybe this team is better than we thought because obviously we know the the recent history of Tampa Bay and continuously bringing basically the same team back. They're still a little bit younger. And to really do that and have that domination does, does kind of stand out from that early season run for the Penguin, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic and McKean's Hockey. Joining me here on... I believe network make sure to download subscribe apple podcast stitcher spotify tune in everywhere you get your podcasts mic drop is there and jesse i guess then i will follow up and ask you for this team to kind of get back to a contending team i don't think anybody even the ones that calm down are optimistic maybe thought that okay they're going to just run teams like tampa bay out of the building every single night that might have been fool's gold but they have the talent, but occasionally they can do that in those games and in those matchups. We have certainly not seen that recently. What can be done to get them back there? Is it switching up defensive pairings? Because that was a lot of the conversation in the offseason. It kind of, again, calmed down because they were playing well. But as you mentioned, they might have had that calm down unjustly because they're just scoring a bunch of goals and that was helping them win games. So a lot of those criticisms calmed down. And then Justin Jari... A goal is going to average the teetering closer to four than it is two right now. He's won games. His record's good, but that might be, again, a little deceiving when you're evaluating a goalie. A lot of pressure on him. There's always pressure on the Penguins goalie, but when you have a guy with a playoff series that didn't go his way, uncertainty on if he actually can make a run, there's youth there. People are always going to look to the goalie. So is it him needing to play better? And is there still question for you on if he can be the guy that can lead you through regular season and beyond and actually a deep run, which clearly this franchise still wants to make an effort to put forth here for at least a few more years. So it's kind of, again, it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation for him. You know, that game last night against Boston, Mike, was his worst performance of the season by a, by a, a large margin. Uh, yeah. He was well below the line in that game. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, you know, the, uh, the the defense didn't help him out any, right? And there were some chaotic moments in front of the net where I think uh, the Penguins D got confused and didn't cover anyone. 
uh, and Boston kind of had their ability again to just go up to the buffet and eat. Um, so that's a problem, right? I'm and loving I the think, feeding. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> thank you. I, um, here's the thing. I, they got to get these defense pairings figured out. Um, your traditional, uh, wet blanket of Latang and Dumoulin and that pairing yeah. that can control right. the game and, uh, back up that Crosby unit has, has suffered, um, not just the start of this year, you could go back a ways to last year and find a point probably in January where this started. Uh, so this isn't something that, you know, I said in the off season, this is the biggest thing for me for the, this year's version of the penguins, that thing, that pairing has to work and it hasn't. Now here's where it gets interesting. And eventually Latang, you feel like is going to dip. I mean, fine wine tastes sure, great yeah. and he's getting better with age and he kind of had a renaissance to make up for when they won a cup without him. And those critics are gone, but eventually you, you can't just rely on him to carry a pairing and it eventually has to dip. You would figure not at, you know, 30 minutes a night anyway. Right. 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 Um, and father time comes for everybody. I, th I think, except maybe hard. Nicholas Lindstrom, maybe, maybe the only one it didn't come <laughs> and for Sidney Crosby. Right. Right. So far, but I mean, yeah. defensively Lindstrom, <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. guess was keeping up 30 minutes a night until almost 40 and they were winning and he was a top pair, you know, leader of a pairing and, and a Norris candidate, but uh, Latang's great. He's not Lindstrom. So eventually it's going to come down. And, who fills that spot? I mean, Marcus Pedersen's been unbelievable. Um, he's floating uh, Jeff Petrie right now, I think. Um, that's been, a, you know, Petrie's been a, spent a lot of time in the box, first of all. So it's hard to evaluate because he's taken so many penalties. Right. Uh, but when he's on the ice at even strength, I think he's had a, a tough time in transition. So uh, you could put Marcus Pedersen up there, but now you have, you know, Petrie and Dumoulin playing together and they're struggling, right? Now you go down to the third pairing. What do you, can you move POJ up? Like, is he ready? He's had a really strong stretch of games. He seems to seems to be capable of it, but traditionally he and Latang haven't played well. So uh, to go back to your point, the goaltending is going to, I think will even itself out. I think if the Penguins can create a decently non-volatile situation for Tristan Jari, he can give them at best or at worst, excuse me, an average performance. Um, I think at times earlier this season, he was way above that line. Um, is that good to, enough? Because yeah, in, they in the, only like that. in the early yeah. run of flurry, the, the, I guess the, the tag could be that he, he wasn't elite at that point, but he was good enough on a really good team. And that's how they're able to win the Oh nine cup. And we know the rest. Can that be good enough? Now? I think, yeah, I think so. I, I don't, I think if you look at the situations they've been in, Mike, that's what sank them is that it's been below that line. Right. Uh, yeah. Jari turning those pucks over against the Islanders and just, you know, the, the baptism by fire that he got there. And then the, the situation with the injuries last year and you end up with, you know, the, the spicy pork was a good story for one night. And then you s suddenly realize <laughs> yeah. the reality of the situation. Right. right. Um, they, they just haven't even gotten that. So it's, it, I think an average would at least help them get out of this first round. Right. And moderately challenge beyond that. I question what, I, I don't know that there is. I think that's a bar sauce. too. Like if yeah. they get at least a second round appearance in these next few years, that would at least legitimize continuing this run, pushing it to the brink. But if it's missing a playoffs or losing in the first round by six or less games, the people that said you should have broke this up a year or two ago are potentially going to be legitimized because what are you really getting out of that? I would argue, but not even a game seven loss cures you at that point. Um, you could argue that. I yeah, guess maybe uh, but, in general. Yeah, you you could argue a game seven loss wouldn't even wouldn't even cure that. Maybe I'm being generous. Yeah, and I think you know. So to to wrap it up here, what I was saying, you know, is is they're in a position now where I think if they just get that average goaltending right, 
Yeah. Uh, and it comes in, it can advance them. It can get us past those conversations and give them an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to, uh, just get the, get be a part of the dance and see what happens. Right. I think some of the peripheral things that we, I was concerned about like depth scoring and, you know, stuff like that. It hasn't really come to fruition as a, as a real major detriment to their, their, their ability to win yet. It's primarily been these bad turnovers. Hope plays up off the wall as Mike Sullivan calls them. Um, and, and that desire to play offense first and not let it come about in an organic way. It seems that they're forcing it right. Um, if they, if they can shake that, I think they've proven that they have the foundation to, uh, to be able to make the right kind of noise. Yeah. Do you agree with at all with those who say that the mentality for some of the veteran players, certainly the offensive minded players, even throwing Crosby in there, but Gensel, certainly Malkin now in his later years is to still have the same strategy like they did during the 16, 17 years, kind of what you just said of if we outscore teams, that'll be good enough to, for us to win. But now they're not nearly as fast. They're older and the NHL is a little bit different with how teams are structured more teams willing to basically just trap you to death like in the 90s that that's not going to work is that maybe a mentality that is still there that's creeping up that even Sullivan maybe thinks as well that's false that's also kind of a problem that's led them into the situation do you think that exists at all i do i think it's been a and it's 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 a mentality mike that it's exists over multiple uh iterations of this team right like this core i think has always sort of felt very strongly about their ability to manipulate the game yeah. uh, because of their skill set um you know in their own way right and i and i think that when you look at the mike sullivan system uh, although it is up tempo although it is aggressive it's also got strong links and things like puck support right and decision making um um where you're putting yourself and a teammate in a position to win a puck battle and it's not just you one-on-one -on -one with someone yeah. um, so so you don't see that Right. In these moments of sort of blackout, right. It's just that focus of let's get up ice and let's um, be a little careless. Let's be a little east west. Um, you know, it, it just it it deviates you so far from from what his style of play is uh, and it makes you vulnerable. So um, for me, I, I definitely think that his biggest job um, and where his strength is, is in managing this in video and having days where there's, you know, lack of skate. And, and, you know, those there's the, for example, on game days, you're not skating on game days, you're in the room, right? Like, let's go back and watch what we did wrong. And this system I think has been, has been the same for so long iterations of it have changed, right. And it's evolved. Uh, but he's, he's got the ability to soundly lean on it and to be able to show video on a day-to-day -day basis that here's where you're missing it. Um, I think that's where he rests. So that's that's the the tug of war for him right now. I think is you know getting the team to to understand where they're making the mistake and where the mentality change needs to happen. Uh, but you're absolutely right to answer your question. No, I do think it is a, a culture thing he has to push back on. Yeah, because that's something that's brought up a lot by people that cover the team. So people that don't cover the team in terms of whether that's true or not. It's just, you're just guessing, but yeah, that's interesting because it is kind of a consensus belief and we're now still seeing it unfold. The benefit that Mike Sullivan has really over any other head coach that I can think of really across sports that is coaching a generational all-time great in Crosby is he is very willing to be coached. And I'm sure that if that was communicated to him, he'd be very willing to lead the way to have those film sessions and to maybe say this is a problem. So that is a benefit that Mike Sullivan has that maybe a lot of other coaches that have coached players like that would maybe be resistant because clearly it's worked 
in a stubborn way before. Because as you said, when you have more talent than anybody else, and the Penguins in 16-17, Kessel was still there at his best offensively. They really did have enough talent to probably outscore a lot of teams, most teams in the NHL, and it didn't work at that point. But the management of that, Mike, too, is why there are so many coaches with such a short tenure in Pittsburgh besides Mike Sullivan. Is yeah. that nobody's been able to capture that, you know? Right. And like it, the, the Goldilocks porridge, so to speak, from from Michelle Terrian was that it was too stern, right? And he was too much of that um, is you know, yeah. yeah. And then Dan, Dan Bilesman went the complete opposite direction. Where you know you had Terrian, and it's almost Terrian needed to be stern then, but then it got too stern. It, yeah, and he got and more defensive some, with his it's, system. It's what right? some critics bring up for other coaches around the league that yeah, maybe they're John Tortorella is a great example, John Tortorella is a great example, yeah. but he's somebody that you absolutely it's hard to debate this whether people like him or not. When he's a coach of your team, your team gets better yeah. all the time. But after about three years, those players. The media, the fans get sick of his crap, and there's almost a discussion that's had of, yeah, we're a lot better, but unless we're lifting the trophy, I don't want to deal with this man. And then yeah. eventually that just that just dissipates. So but even go back, go Mike, way. to like the, the Flurry Murray situation. And you always heard from them, from Mike Sullivan, yeah. about how clearly he was articulating these things and about, like, I'm going to bench you. I'm going to start you. Here's why. This right. is what I want you to do. Like, that has always been a strength of his. So I think you avoid. Which players like. Maybe that's sure. Flurry, I'm sure, really like that. How much of that do you get with John Tortorella? <laughs> right. I'd imagine not at all. I don't know, right. So, yeah, I don't it know. It works, yeah. right? It works. And I think right. that. Uh, you know, this is the best guy for the job. So yeah, Crosby uh, and Torts. I don't know how that would have worked. Oh, that would have been that would have been something. Oh, that, yeah, Crosby and Torts. That would almost be like Belichick trying to coach Big Ben. I yeah, don't think that. I don't, I don't think. I don't think the gunslinging. Hey, I put the play in, and you're just going to draw it up in the dirt would really work out. Be a lot of audibling. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how those meetings would go. Yeah. Um, Jesse Marshall here for the Athletic and McKean's Hockey joining me on the Believe Network. Here, of course, I'm Mike Oski, and we are talking pucks. We're talking Penguins hockey. It is that time of year, and it's already been a polarizing season so far, kind of an up and down season. But that's just really life of following and covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. You did mention POJ, so before we move on, I do want to ask about POJ because there's also kind of a consensus belief of people that cover the team that wow there are reasons to believe he can step up and play well at times maybe you can get more from him it doesn't sound like the franchise agrees that he can handle more or is maybe somebody that you can rely on more or they're going to change anything with him in terms of time in terms of pairing anything at all why is that? Is that maybe something that maybe you don't agree with your colleagues in terms of reading those tea leaves? Because that's also just trying to get in the head of somebody without knowing factually. But why is that out there? That despite what you see on the ice at times, there is a belief in terms of your colleagues, even at The Athletic, that, hey, the franchise doesn't agree. So it's just a moot point to talk about. That's a good question. I think that there is a history, to be fair, there is a history of him uh, at at some higher level at being uh, of questionable decision-making prowess, right? I think on ice in a micro level, right? Um, there within the game, there are situations he finds himself in where he makes bad decisions. Um, it's now player still, they I mean, do. Yeah. And you, and you know, coaching that, I think part of coaching that is allowing it to happen. Right. Kale McCarr makes those mistakes. Yeah. Adam Fox makes those mistakes. 
you don't hear about them because they're covering them up with all the other awesome things yeah. that they're doing. And at the end of the night, the, the good outweighs the bad, right? Should the Penguins take some of this heat, actually, if that's actually correct? And they well, say that, should some of it actually fall on them? I think that uh, the reticence to trust young defensemen is not something that's unique to Pittsburgh, right. um, especially given the log jam that they have and the capable amount. Like Chad Ruedel, right? constantly pumping out performances that are above the line, right? And even a guy that's in the lineup on a regular night. So I, I think knowing that the standard is that and that they have these players that can give them these performances, they're looking for something more safe and exceptional at the same time. And it's hard to produce that to your point, Mike, if you're a young puck moving defenseman that's getting third pairing, you know, minutes in a sheltered, a more sheltered role. Um, how, how do you showcase that? And then last year when he plays with Chris Letang, uh, I don't necessarily think that's a great mix of player. I think, <laughs> it, I think they're both the same guy, right? Yeah. And you saw last year, they kept running into each other in a lot of ways where they were like, yeah, who's taking this responsibility? Yeah. POJ so, is like a younger, worse Letang. Right. So <laughs> I think, yeah, no offense to him, right? It's right, right, right. Yeah. That's the high bar. Yeah. So, uh, I think that there's definitely a reticence uh, to let him go, but I think now that it's happening, um, they seem more willing to give him more difficult assignment. Like last that's night, where I was going to go then that if that's a correct assessment, then what are you doing? You, you, yeah. might, you might as well try to get some value for him. Maybe it would even be best for him personally. Maybe this isn't even fair to him personally. It almost sounds the way you're talking that maybe it should be best for both sides to move on. And we've actually seen the Penguins franchise over the years. If they're in a situation that isn't even fair to the player based on the ceiling, they're going to give him eventually, whether it's good or bad for the team, they just, they just let the player move on. They try to get some value yeah. for him. So why not do the same with the OJ? Yeah. And you have Ty Smith, right? So uh, who's kind of, cause you just traded, you know, a, a Vezina, not Vezina, my goodness, Norris candidate player right now. And John Marino, who yeah. is probably arguably one of the top five, top three defensemen in the National Hockey League right now. I don't know if anyone thought um, that was coming, but yeah. No, yeah, right. Nobody <laughs> saw that coming, really. Uh, but he's playing that well. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a bitter pill to swallow to have Ty Smith be a waivers casualty in the American Hockey League right now, especially because he looked pretty yeah. competent in the preseason. Um, but you don't want to have a situation like, yeah, you don't want to have a situation like the pirates endure with, with pitchers. And like you see glass oh, now and yeah. others, like um, you don't want to have, I guess that where you have two and then yeah. the three year period. That could, and right. you know, I think now you have an environment where like that, the, the seeming impossibility of him playing up top with Latang because Dumoulin was that institution there. Yeah. That is just, it's not the case anymore. Dumoulin's okay. not that institution right now. They need a solution to this problem. Um, yeah, I think at some point you need to just let him run wild, give him a week, give him seven days, see what you got, give right? Seven days. And, 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 and see, see what the result is. I mean, that's yeah. the only way you're going to find out. You have to take the training wheels off, right? You can't keep him limited to, to, to these spot checks on the top pairing and switching the lines around all the time. Cause you, you're afraid to, you know, to, to commit, um, that's the one thing you can be critical of. I think with Mike Sullivan, I think even with like a guy like a Drew O'Connor, who is an unremarkable bottom six player yeah. um, with a limited ceiling, there's still that reticence, right. To, to sometimes I think give him the spot. So 
Um, I don't know. I, I think it's I I'm I'm there's some that brought up trading Dumoulin, and that's yeah. been a whole debate the last year that if you're not gonna move POJ and you want to have so many there in your Marino situation was a debate years ago, but then Dumoulin would be the guy that would bring the value. And, and honestly, Mike, like how much weight do two Stanley Cups carry among general managers? Oh, you could rob somebody blind for that. You know what I mean? Like they don't care yeah. how Brian Dumoulin's playing right now, they care that he won two Stanley Cups. Well, not you that see long the, ago. you see the money that free agents get. That are on cup teams, their role players in those cup teams that boost their value. They get big dollar amounts, and then it's like, well, this player is not really as good as what I'm paying him, even though he was on a cup team. Yeah, you're you're looking at the potential here, in my opinion, for if you chose to go down that road with moving Dumoulin at a Scuderi for daily esque situation, where you take and Dumoulin's not been that bad, right? Yeah. He's not. He's had bad moments. His play. Uh, you know, I think last night was below the line, uh, but he's not, he's not a liability like that, you know, but you could fetch something, either another cheap, effective defenseman that you could plug in, or how about some scoring help for your bottom six? I, I think that's kind of the you debate. Know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what you would need if you're really going to try to make a run this year. Yeah. You could fetch any of that, I think easily with a guy with his resume. So uh, that's where my head is. I, look, because how much longer people, can you rely on Jeff Carter to really bolster a bottom right. and, and score? I he's mean, hurt. I mean he, he's hurt, but I mean, even even last year, it no one the that's gas the one ran out of the that, tank that nobody can be mad at and what they've produced since they've come over. But the gas is eventually going to run out of the tank. Yeah, we saw I mean, it. You saw it last year. I mean, I mean, the magic yeah. around him that he always is on deep playoff runs and always is good is just going to eventually run out. Father Time is undefeated. It, on 100% undefeated, uh, and, you know, the, uh, another name will throw, I mean, we can talk about Brock McGinn in the same fashion, like, right? Yeah. Like, are we getting enough out of that player? So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, there's a there's a possibility out there. And, and I, and I got to say this about Marcus Pedersen. Uh, he's been the defensively been the best defenseman they have this year. No, no two ways about that at all. He is the best defensive defenseman that they have. Perhaps the only one now. Yeah, Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda's there. I and don't think Jan Ruda's been as good as Marcus Pedersen. Defensive defenseman is a, cr a critical, a critical thing part too, because I think that also gets lost. E even that would bump him ahead of Latang. There's been a lot of years where maybe the Norris winner has mostly had the, you know, had the points and had the offensive prowess, but maybe not always the best defenseman. So that's the difference. But if you're looking to create the ecosystem, like yeah. of, you give Latang the ability to go be Latang. You have somebody on his side. That and he shouldn't gonna... have to be the best defensive defenseman anymore either. I mean, yeah. shouldn't. he's not that guy. He no, but this this guy. this Marcus Pedersen could be the key to getting that dichotomy back and allowing right. Latang to feast and do the things he's comfortable with. And I just don't know that it's working right now because I don't know that Latang has that level of trust. I don't want to make it sound like it's all Brian Dumoulin's fault. Yeah. These players aren't working well together, right? There's for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think it's worth it to give Marcus Pedersen the responsibility and see what he does up there. Um, that, that, you know, I, I just something to think about. I, I think he's been that good. Um, he's yeah. earned, I think he's earned it um, given how well he's played defensively. Yeah. It's something that a lot of people are thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Penguin fans do a lot of thinking and, yeah. and media do a lot of thinking. And the Penguins are really one of the most debated teams <laughs> in the sport on a year in and year out basis, really. Yeah. Um, imagine if this team was covered on more of a national uh, a basis, like some of the other sports in terms of how many debates would rage with the Penguins, because there's always so many and, and pairings are a big deal. Maybe an underrated thing that people don't realize. And, 
it does feel like this team is somewhere in the middle to this start, but eventually, you know, wins and losses do matter and your seating is going to matter, especially when you're an older team and the matchups that you'll see in the postseason and all that matters more than maybe during the early days of some of these players. So you can't just be, you know, giving up games here. Jesse Marshall of the athletic and McKean's hockey. It is Mike drop here in the believe network. Again, find us everywhere. You can find podcasts, download, subscribe, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, tuning, etc. I do want to ask you about some odds here. We do a lot of betting here at the believe. And I do want to ask you some odds as well as we're going to get into a player that maybe, we kind of alluded to earlier in the conversation that has such an ability that maybe relies on it too much. And there's some Jekyll and Hyde hot and cold with that guy. And that is again, Malkin, but Connor McDavid at a plus plus one eighty to most sports books, Austin Matthews plus 600 to some, and that that's going to bet rivers. That's going to DraftKings, That's going to a few others and all the way down Crosby. And I think this is one from bet rivers, but he's at plus 3000. Wow. Generally speaking, no matter what book you're looking at, and you're going to have different numbers than any book here, Crosby is significantly down that there's almost no one I've seen have him in their top three, certainly not even many in the top five in terms of players that are going to win the MVP this season, going to win that heart trophy. And I get that. Obviously these are younger players ahead of him. And obviously, Connor McDavid maybe has the advantage over any of these guys, really, that if his team is going to be really good and make a run, I know it's a regular season award, though, like, say, last year with the Oilers, he has to be a stud and be an MVP candidate. He has to do that even more than Crosby even now, but certainly even during Crosby's prime, kind of like Ovechkin before they actually won, that he just he has to be an MVP and they're not even in the thick of things. What are your thoughts on Crosby? being so down in terms of having a chance of the MVP this year. Is that any disrespect? Is it the fact that he's just older and maybe the voters are done giving it to him? Is that maybe a wrong assessment because of how much he would have to be relied on if this team would win? What are your thoughts there? Cause I've never really seen him pretty much out of the conversation before the year starts in any other year, even though now you have these young sensational players, there's a whole conversation on if this is now, McDavid's league if this is legitimately the McConnor McDavid era and the Crosby era despite him still playing at a relatively high level has come to an end and maybe based on what we're seeing here with MVP odds maybe that's what the sports books Vegas and maybe some people are trying to allude to it's also the conversation now Mike of like what does how do you win a heart right well, yeah, you gotta you gotta win the points. A lot of it's an opinion win. too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is an opinion. Yeah. I mean, so mine and yours I, are just as good as anyone else. Well, no, I don't even mean that, Mike. I mean, now it's like it's almost it's it's almost synonymous with the Art Ross. Oh, right? that's true. And if you're yeah, not yeah. in the Art Ross conversation, you're not in the Heart conversation. Right. Um, so, so let's say hypothetically, right? Here's where I'm going with this, right? Because Crosby has 12 points, and McDavid has what, like 21 or 22, because Drysdale has 21. So, 10 points off him already, right? And yeah. I don't think that he'll be close. Crosby will when it's all said and done. Crosby will be over a point per game. I wouldn't be shocked because, like, if you look at right now, there's guys like Kevin Fiala, um, you know, Gabriel Velarde that are ahead of Crosby on the score. Like, I, he'll finish ahead of them. But, like, if yeah. Crosby – And he's going to score less goals too. But if, if Malkin got hurt, right, and, like, you had no two-headed monster and Crosby finished top 10 in scoring and the Penguins made the playoffs. Okay. And they, they had a good seed. Would, and he was a top 10 in scoring. Would that be enough for MVP? Probably not, right? Because yeah, because... are going to be up there. You're going to have 
you know, because you could still argue if you're an Aaron if you're, in the conversation, you could still argue that even if Dry Style is healthy and Malkin's not healthy, that there are going to be people that are going to say almost help Malkin not be in there, maybe would actually help Crosby at this point in his career in some respects. And then also the whole other conversation of that outside of the top two of the Oilers, they're not as deep. So even if you have your your Robin to your Batman, overall team wise, you don't have as much. That that still would be brought up. Yeah. So I just I think it's the you know. Um, there's also this element of like used to it is used to itness. Um, yeah. where like Mike Sullivan's never in that Jack Adams conversation, right? Like last year, I thought what he did to navigate those injuries at the beginning of the year was you, you could argue that, yeah, unreal. But like that, nobody at the by the time it's all said and done, everybody's back healthy and that uh, looked Crosby Malkin <laughs> show. So yeah, I I'm not. I guess in that sense, you know, I I part of me is shocked because we're just not used to it. But on the other hand, like there would be so much that would have to go right for him to get it that it just it does seem i think somewhat insurmountable because of the the way that the criteria are used to vote on the award right you have to be in a certain position scoring wise to be considered and it doesn't seem like he's going to be there at this point yeah do you do you believe this is we've already experienced or this is the end of the crosby era for the NHL is the league even trying to move in that direction in terms of where they're putting games on national TV. And oddly enough, they didn't want to put the Crosby McDavid game on a showcase. Uh, <laughs> that, that, yeah. that doesn't, I mean, if you're passing the baton, that would certainly be a game to showcase. I, I believe though that was against Monday night football. So maybe that was actually smart because they wouldn't have got casual fan ratings. Granted, you could have scheduled that on a Tuesday instead of Monday because that Western Canada trip, I believe they had the Monday game where they were totally off national TV. It was against Monday Night Football. And then they were off the next day. I, I think that is that how that happened? So they could have scheduled yeah. it a different way. I but do think this, you're right, though, Mike. Is this the McDavid yeah. era or is this the Austin Matthews era? Whose era is it? Are we done with the Crosby era at least? I think it is the McDavid era. Um, you know, I think I think Crosby intimated that. But no, no, let me not intimated. But I think Crosby, like, skipping a couple All-Star games or, like, not being there. Like, right. You know, he's he's given that up. Like, I don't think that that's something he's interested in. And I don't think he wants to be the face of the league. Um, I don't think he's marketed as such. He's marketed as, like, a really good legacy player now. Yeah. Right? Which is... Like, the casual fan knows him more than McDavid, I would imagine. I do think... If you do don't follow think, the NHL avidly. But I think more knowing McDavid. And, and I think the league is almost trying McKinnon to... McKinnon even, for that matter. Maybe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You win a cup. I mean... Yeah, that'll win. do it. So, uh, yeah. I think it's their, it's their league now. Um, but I do think what's been fun um, and what will continue to be fun and this will happen probably every year until he retires is like people are writing about Sidney Crosby as being like underwhelming or, <laughs> you know, like whatever. They just haven't watched him. Cause I don't, I haven't gotten that impression. Like, you know, he's dropping down to one knee to take these one timers and just lasering them in the net. Like yeah, he's 18 right. years old. Um, so it hasn't affected us in Pittsburgh any by any stretch. Well, he also team. shouldn't be expected to play like he's 22. Years no, old. you're right. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> right. But I think like, I think the, I think yeah. people are aggressively and precipitously uh, like aging him in a way that is not actually reality. And yeah. then, so like when things happen and they see these highlights of him or, you know, he pops up in their city, they're like, Oh crap, I was wrong. You know, like I forgot about how good this guy is, you know? <laughs> and it's, so I think like that, that the, the Sidney Crosby prove it to you tour will continue to be a fun thing to experience. Yeah. 
I think it also could be that before the advent of McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, as you mentioned, there was a lull period during what was still the Crosby era that obviously Ovechkin then won his cup and he's still the prolific goal scorer. And I hope he breaks Gretzky's record, but it was the Crosby and Ovechkin fighting for their era. It was then decided to be basically the Crosby era Ovechkin still kind of in there, but there was nobody else to argue this for. And then you saw McDavid. Then you saw Matthews. McKinnon really has has popped up probably on the radar just last year off that deep playoff run, even though he was doing his thing prior. So you get these players to have deep playoff runs or to score a lot of goals or to start winning these awards. That is when they can claim this. And I think that's when the casual fan knows them enough that doesn't just rely on marketing. And you can argue somebody else in the era. But prior to that, it was, yeah, McDavid scores a lot of goals, but his team has no chance. McCain, I don't really know who he is. The, that, that team's been rebuilding for 20 years. Austin Matthews, yeah, but they're just going to blow it in the first round. He doesn't make his teammates better. I mean, those were the narratives. Those are calming down or non-existent now. Maybe not so much for the Leafs. <laughs> not with the Leafs, I guess. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I mean, him individually, but yeah, they're, they, they do need to disprove that, even though they – they did actually give a, a tougher test than others against the team that they eventually lost to last year. But yeah, I, I, I think they do need that deep playoff run. And I do also think that it's, you know, this is said a lot, but winning a Stanley cup, as you know, it's hard to do. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily this ding that Ovechkin's only done it once in the one final or the McDavid hasn't got there yet. Uh, Especially now, Mike too, in this divisional world, right. Where like, you're, you know, I like didn't the first... think they were going to get to the Western Conference Finals a year ago. I wasn't ready for that. I mean, yeah, but like that now, you know that the first two right. rounds, most of the time, unless you're the the first seed and you're you right. happen to you know, um, uh, luck your way into a, you know, um, you know, playing a lesser opponent. The point is, uh, I think at the end of the day, um, it's really hard to get through those first two rounds, yeah. especially teams are right? familiar with you. They, they know you well. To, yeah, they yeah, got the they, tape. I mean, they, it's exactly not new. right. They can exploit it. <laughs> Um, they know where your weaknesses are, um, and goaltending makes the world go round. So, um, which you could argue that none of those other guys have the goaltending. Now it didn't matter really for Colorado. I still think it's a problem for Edmonton. Yeah. So, and, and that, that's, that's an issue that you, it's not a, it's not an individual sport. If you don't have the goaltending, you're, you know, unless you're scoring seven goals a game, it's going to be a problem for you. Yeah. What I do want to ask to kind of round things out here, Jesse Marshall, going with the athletic and McKean's hockey. I've had some fun talking puck to say the least. And we're, we're getting into where it's going to get really fun. Not yet there where teams are going to separate, but it's going to get fun and, and, and going to get some separation soon. We'll kind of maybe figure out our answers to, to what this team is and all these debates will just rage on as well. But Evgeny Malkin, this is that perpetual death taxes, and we're probably going to debate this forever, and literally whenever I have you on, I probably could ask this. It's an evergreen topic, really. What should the franchise do with him? How should he be handled? Should he still be there? Should they be? Should they have and should they be trying to get value for him? What kind of gas does he have left in the tank? What are reasonable expectations of him? How should he be perceived and even his legacy? Because all those things are about a two or three year topic that's going to keep on going as long as he remains a penguin. I'm a little surprised that he actually is still a penguin, to be honest with you. I get wanting to increase the era. I get Crosby, you know, wants him there. And certainly a very, very talented player that you can see glimpses of him single-handedly carrying the offense on his back and scoring a goal. We've seen him before carry the team when Crosby was out at times. But you also see a lot more glimpses now of moments 
that he single-handedly is killing the rush. He single-handedly messes up the offense, and he actually is hurting you out there. So is it almost cut bait? Try to get value because if you wait a lot longer, you're not going to get value. But currently, you can still get a lot of value for clearly a future Hall of Famer. And what is the perception of him overall? Even nationally, top 100 list. That it's an opinion, but that was put out there by the league a couple years ago. Didn't have the man on that. That seems outrageously insane based on the resume. Even if he's not Crosby, that's a far hill to be putting your flag on that he's not a top 100. So where are you on Malkin's legacy, how he should be perceived, why he's semi-disrespected, it seems, even by media nationally, outside of just maybe being, you know, not a Canadian. Um, some, could go, <laughs> some, some could go there. And then what should this franchise, franchise do in terms of handling him? Have they actually missed the boat on his value would have peaked a couple years ago? And now your value is what it is, but if you wait a year or two, it's going to be next to nothing for him at his age and what he actually is doing negatively for you as well as positively. I think the problem, you know, recently anyway, not, not this year, but recently has been his availability. Um, that's, that's really it. He found himself in a really unique position going into the negotiations this summer with Ron Hextall, where if you go back, right. Um, and, and, and think about, um, Contract comparables, right? Um, I really believe firmly in what evolving hockey does. They use a weighted average of numerous box score metrics over a three-year period to predict the cap percentage and term of a contract, right? And Malkin's was one year for $4.5 million. And that was so weird to me. And I, I remember reaching out to the twins at evolving hockey and saying, why is this the case? What's driving this? It's, it's, oh, it's availability. So, uh, if you look into forwards in the last uh, 10 years who have signed within four to 6% of the cap, mic and are over 32% or 32 years old, there's only a handful of them, right? 26 to be specific of those, no player at the time of those 26 at the time of their contract signing averaged fewer games than Malkin over the last three seasons. So I think the, that the reason why the perceived value of his deal was so low and the reason why this national perception of him is where it is, all these things are just availability. He's not in the lineup enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and when, you know, when you are absent like that, um, people forget um, and you're not in the conversation nationally enough. You know, people will say, well, Malkin was a point per game player. That's true. But he didn't play enough games for anybody to care. Right. And I think at the end of the day, like that, that's really, I think. What, what I don't disagree. And obviously you've done your homework and clearly have written about this a lot <laughs> and have been asked about this a lot, but I'm just going to ask a devil's advocate comment of the Malcolm stands that are going to bring this up. And they're probably going to say this on Twitter. If they listen in and I put this up there and then the reply, if Crosby had a three-year period of being very injury plagued nationally, historically enough legacy all-time list, they would not forget about him. Yeah. So why are they forgetting about Malcolm? Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I you you're right. Um, I'm always going to mention xenophobia in that conversation, <laughs> and the fact that he is Russian, <laughs> right? Um, but I don't know. He's won a con Smythe, right? Yeah, he has three Stanley Cups to his name. Um, reckless, yeah, for sure. And I think that, like, even for uh, won a con Smythe before Crosby did. I mean, did and, and, not that he was yeah. a better player, but like Crosby has to thank him for that playoff run. And and I think. If you look at like the 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 pandemic's playoff series against Montreal that they lost, 
Um, really bad performance from Malkin, like really struggled yeah. in that series. Like yeah. turned the puck over a ton in that. There, in that there are some bad game. moments that you don't see from Crosby. And, and and yeah, an yeah and I think like that mars people's, you know, memory. He he doesn't have that moment of scoring the goal that Crosby scored in the gold medal game. You know that that's also not on his resume. And then, right. I think it's absurd. I think it's crazy to to even say this year that Malkin's not one of the top 100 players. And then it was like. All for all we've said, Mike, like he's actually no no player on the Penguins rosters generated more even strength scoring chances than him this year. Yeah, in terms of chances, so like, definitely yeah. top hundred every year. I mean, that's yes, not it's like crazy. That's that actually insulting. Point, now you really have me thinking about 30. this. Now you really have me thinking about it. Uh, yeah. It's crazy that he gets that level of consistent disrespect. Uh, I, you know. I, I, it's, it, it, to me is very confusing because he, it almost felt like somebody did the list and uh, I don't know, but I'm just almost feel like someone did the list and was like, okay, here's the list of players. I'm going to put them together. Malkin's off the board. So I got to figure out who can I argue to be in here ahead. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to top a hundred. Yeah. That does seem a little insane. Okay. Perfect. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, there will be a moment this season that will come. And I have no doubt about this at all where he goes on some kind of like like Paul Bunyan run. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just towering over people. He fixes the power play single-handedly and then the hockey world will stir up and say, "Oh, we told you. Everybody knew this Malkin was and I'm like it's almost like like this, this like people like forget all the bad things they've said about him. And then like, he comes back in the news, he goes on a run and everybody like celebrates it. Yeah. And then it goes back to normal again. I was so, going to say, then there'll be I don't like, know. the game. The next maybe, game he'll, he'll give up a rush. And maybe if he could stay it. healthy and get that consistency back to you, Mike, that would go a long way towards fixing it. But um, um, man, it's just, now you've got me all fired up about it now. I, I think now it's hard. <laughs> it is hard to figure it out. It is hard yeah. to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I had to bring up the. That's what's going to be said, and honestly, it is. It, it is an argument that is hard to go against because I, it, it's annoying to just say, "Well, you know, Russian players are handled this way," or "Well, it's going to be he's not Canadian," or "It'll be very interesting how if Ovechkin breaks that all-time mark of Gretzky, the Lord that's beloved by all, how that'll be handled." Yeah, I, I mean, how that'll be handled? Will, will that be handled by some in a Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth record sort of way? Which anyone who wants to Google search that history, that would be not good. So yeah. it'll be it'll it'd be interesting how these things are handled. But it is annoying to just go that way because it comes off lazy analysis. But when you think about it, that has to be part of it, or else there maybe are just those really bad moments that do stick in your mind. We'll see. I'm surprised he's still there. And you also look at history. And this goes to any sports dynasty, certainly in hockey, to have three premier players that are those core players through an entire run that's going to be 20 years, basically, all be together this long. Incredibly rare. The longest stretch in terms of NHL history with those three core players of a successful run like this. So... That's that. I mean, something to be said for that. And maybe the Penguins want that to be the case. Obviously, they were broken up and different guys coming in and out. Gretzky eventually was traded off the Oilers, even though they won a couple years after him. The Red Wings in the 90s were Shanahan wasn't there the whole beginning portion. Like to have this, these three the whole period of time. And now Flurry's no longer been there for years, but still Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. That's a core. I mean, yeah. that, that that's like, I think there is something to be said that it's cool to have that. And I don't, maybe that was part of the well, Mike, like, what's like the other? that. I think Crosby likes that, but we know he does. Cause he, I mean, like, yeah, we probably don't have this band back together. If Crosby doesn't intervene 
um, in the off season and, and, you know, get these parties to start talking again. You so, would figure, yeah. um, I mean, you really have to go to like the Sedines, right? That's one example of this yeah. kind of tenure, but like, this is a unique, cool thing. Like, I, I, I do think they're going to remain competitive. I do think they're going to still continue to make the playoffs. Um, you know, I question whether or not they can win the cup in their current state, but to see this happen the way that it's happened to be a part of it this entire time. We're old as hell now, Mike. When we started this, we were very young chaps buying yeah. you know, rush tickets down in line at the arena. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a cool thing to behold and be a part of. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy we are seeing it. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Malkin's gonna gonna have his say in a little bit more on what his and what his legacy turns out to be. And um, I think I think I think the annals of history will will finally look back on this situation as. Um, you know, something extraordinarily unique. And I think if you look at the rumors surrounding Patrick Kane this year, I mean, heck, he's been rumored to Pittsburgh, right? right? I mean, <laughs> Pittsburgh was a, a supposed landing destination for him. Um, right. This kind of run is just so rare. It's so unique. Um, yeah, I don't, and, and, and the know. Penguins, even if they're not necessarily a cup favorite any longer, they are keeping they they are keeping this run longer than some others over the same era kept their runs or even throughout right. history. And I do think that maybe, maybe at the end of the day, that Malkin or at least should maybe be looked upon more favorably than say others in his role have been in sports history. Because you look at Malkin, we brought it up earlier. He's the Scotty Pippen to Sidney Crosby's Michael Jordan, but mm. Malkin did something that Pippen didn't do in a championship round. Malkin won the best individual player award. Right Pippen was always, it was six for six for Jordan. He was riding below. So that's something that should be thought of as a little bigger than normally that second best player. And being the second best to Crosby is no insult. There is also another argument that, hey, if Malkin wasn't with Crosby or on the Penguins all those years, maybe he wouldn't have as many cups or a cup at all if you put him on the Capitals and take Ovechkin off and make him the best player by himself, really, for that era. Would he have done anything more than Ovechkin did? Probably not. But the reality is the reality. And I do also think the Penguins will help that conversation a little bit in terms of how they handle him, in terms of how... He's put into a ring of honor, and if they are going to retire more jerseys besides Crosby, I would imagine he'd be the next one that would be discussed and probably should happen. Yeah. Uh, if outside of, I feel they should do it for Yager, but if that ever outside of this on this current this current team, so those things happening, I, I think will help him be remembered. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, it, it's an interesting vortex that Malkin lives in, and it's just never going to end in terms of this debate until he is off of this team, uh, which they probably have peaked in terms of the value they would have got from it. A trade a couple years ago would have would have been a, a wildfire around the league, probably, just off of his name yep. alone. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but there's still value there. He's still a great player. And he probably, there's probably now, since he waited so long, you probably can get more out of him on your team than value you would get. Oh, there's no question about because that. Because as you're saying, no, a four yeah. million one year evaluation, what are you really going to get for an older player? It'd be a late round. Nobody's giving you valuable right. assets at the trade deadline for, you know, uh, a limited version of him. Um, right. Yeah, like four so years ago, maybe you could argue to second round draft pick or something, but that's not going to happen now. Now you're so riding you it out now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you can't get that, there, there's no point of a late round pick or a player that's not really that good in some pieces. You might as well ride it out. That, that two weeks of greatness and the rest being average is better than what you would get. Jesse, I definitely appreciate the time for sure. Jesse Marshall of the athletic and McKean's hockey. I will let you go back to your family and your child 
and hopefully it didn't fire you up too much. <laughs> you have a feeding <laughs> nah, nah, coming up. Um, so definitely appreciate the time, man. We'll, we'll definitely talk soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic and McKean's Hockey. Been a while since I talked to him, but I want to talk some pucks, and I, I can't really think of anybody better, certainly covering the Pittsburgh region. I mean, yo, we have done a lot of shows with his colleague there at the Athletic. I certainly could throw him a bone and say that he would be just as good. He's fun to talk to as well. But Jesse Marshall someone I haven't worked with in a while, so I wanted to get him on, and happy to have talked with Jesse. He gives you the percentages and the analytics to back up what he's saying, and you got to like that as well and got to respect it. Again, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic and McKean's Hockey. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in reality somewhere in the mean of what they were at the beginning of the season. That was gangbusters. Nobody expected that. I didn't expect them to be that good. The arguments dissipated because they're winning, but maybe it was fool's gold and they still weren't great defensively. Now it's creeping up. They're not scoring as much, and obviously you can't win games just off offense and it's becoming more of a problem. Jari's not played nearly as well. He's probably good enough with this team. He's an average goalie, though, maybe a little bit above that. He's not an elite goalie. He's not going to win you know, of a Vesna award by any means. This isn't somebody who I think is going to carry a load on a worse team, but this is still a Penguin team that will get you in the playoffs, probably lose you in the first round. Maybe if they get lucky on matchup, maybe they have a better seating than in past years. Maybe they can get to a second round. I do think the cup days are over. I don't necessarily mean that as a negative though, because eventually as Jesse and I talked about all of the dynastic runs eventually have periods where they're not really a cup favorite. They're not contending. They usually dip off the cliff and don't even make a postseason. That's not yet happened to the Penguins. Don't expect it to happen this year. And it is rare to bring this core together, but this core is better than the value you would get for this core. Really? Unless you're, you know, trading Latang, which isn't going to happen or obviously Crosby. So this is the group. There are different things they can do, though, in terms of pairings. I do think the mentality of just we're going to outscore everyone, but maybe even Gensel still has, that's not going to work. These are all older players, even him. As great as he emerged in 16 and 17, he's now you know five years later. So this, this is an older group, and how long will that go on? Tampa Bay is still a better team despite what happened earlier in the season. So we'll see how this season goes, how these debates and conversations rage on, because you know they will. It's going to be fun to talk about. It's going to be fun to watch, and we're going to get it back here on Mike Drop on the Believe Network as this season continues to unravel. Again, thanks to Jesse Marshall of The Athletic and McKean's Hockey. I'm Mike Ostey. This was another Mike Drop edition here on the Believe Network. I want to remind you again to download, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, tune in. Believe everywhere you can search Believe, everywhere you can search Mike Drop, it will be there. So buckle your seatbelts and get your popcorn ready for another polarizing season of Pittsburgh Penguins Hockey. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.